Isn't it time you lived life on your own terms? If not now, when? Visit abrilliantgamble.com for more information on Blair's new exciting online coaching program. Midlife doesn't have to be a crisis. It's a time to rethink who you are and what you really want from your work, your life, and yourself. Sacrificing your soul stops here. It's time to make some plans, make them happen, and live the life you deserve. With interviews, stories from her own adventures, and expert insights, here's your host, best-selling author, speaker, and coach, Blair Palmer. Hello and welcome to episode 133 of the A Brilliant Gamble podcast. I hope you are really, really well. You know, one of the sentences I hear most often is a variation on, I still haven't built my website. People are always saying to me, yeah, I still haven't quite got round to building my website. And there are lots of reasons why people put off making their website. They might feel overwhelmed by the task of writing it. They might be afraid to put themselves out there. They might be kind of reluctant to really describe what their business is. At least at this point, you know, you kind of want to keep your options open maybe at the beginning. Making a website makes it very real. Maybe you don't even know what you want your website to do. Is any of this ringing true for you? Well, what I've learned about building a website is that it's only by building a website that you resolve any of those issues. If you're not sure how to describe what you do, or you haven't even decided what you're really doing, then writing the copy for your website will force you to work it out. If you're not feeling ready to put yourself out there, then frankly, you'll never be ready until you're actually out there and you realize the world didn't collapse. Not knowing what you want your website to do You'll only know by building it and then fixing it over the coming weeks, months, and maybe even years. And while it is possible to run a business today without having an actual website, and there's all sorts of places you can base your business on the internet, it's actually a really missed opportunity not to have one, not least because without a website, you found a very convenient way of avoiding answering the fundamental questions that you need to answer about your business and that is going to come back and bite you very soon. So on today's podcast we are getting super practical. My guest is Matthew Eldridge. He's the owner and head geek at Melt Creative Limited and this is Websites 101. And the reason I thought this was really important as a topic is because I want you to get on and make your website. I don't want you to have any excuses. So in this interview, we will go right back to basics. Questions I'd wish I'd known the answer to when I first made my initial website and which I've learned the hard way by making websites that looked beautiful and didn't actually do anything more than be an online brochure. Matt and I talk about what a website is actually for, email lists, lead magnets, keywords, meta tags, uh, key phrases, all kinds of stuff, blogs. We really kind of go through systematically every question that people have at the start when they're building their website. So get out a notepad and a pen because you will want to write this stuff down. 
If you're feeling overwhelmed by how much there is to do to get started with your new venture and leave your current working situation, I'll give you information at the end of the show about how to get my free Escape the Rat Race checklist. Making your website is on there and the stages that come before and after that. So I'll tell you more about that at the end of the show. The other thing I'll tell you about is Matt's offer of a free content framework guide and where you can get the link to that. But for now, let's go to the interview. Matt, great to have you on the show. How are you today? Hi Blair, thanks for having me. Delighted to be here. Yeah, it's great. I've been really looking forward to this conversation because um, I've been in business for 20 years and I've had a, a website right from the beginning. I've changed my company name. I've had different websites. I've built my own. I've had very, very expensive websites built that didn't really work very well. Um, yeah. and, and I want to save people. I want you to help to save people a lot of time and a lot of hassle and set up their website right. So I think we can really dive into, I mean, it's, we're not going to get into a lot of detail, I don't think, but just the kind of high level of what, what is a website for and how do you go about it just feels a bit overwhelming I think when you start so is that all right if we just do that yeah sure I can I cover quite a lot of this stuff regularly so happy to kind of give you a simple overview right down to more in-depth stuff if you need so. brilliant brilliant well we might get you back in to talk about more <laughs> but I mean I think the first question I want to ask is actually what's a website for because when I first created my first website you know, in 2000, whenever it was, um, it was basically an online brochure. So it, yeah. was, it was part of the sales process, but it was just a way that if someone met me in person and then they checked out, it, they Googled me, my website would come up and they would see I was a legit person and that was it. Is, is that what a website's for these days? So a website for me serves three purposes, ideally. Um, one, it builds trust and credibility for you and your brand but also it converts people into leads. So it builds your, your marketing list so you can kind of continue and then it generates sales on the back of it. So it's in, a, in essence, it's kind of like a, a marketer, a salesperson and a support person in the same breadth, if you know what I mean. So it, it, it serves those three purposes if, if you set it up well. So the days of having 70 page brochure websites that just talk about you and the company and the awards that I, I think are dying. The website should be very concise, very clear, the benefits you solve for your ideal clients, and then some way of either getting people to, to, to a buying decision as quickly as possible. And that, that for me is what our website's all about. And that those are the ones that work best. That's great. And so you mentioned there about creating leads and, and creating a list. Tell me more about that, because obviously people can come to your website and you can have a look at Google analytics and see that people have been, but how do you actually capture people's information so that they can become part of your marketing strategy? Yeah. So there are lots of different ways. Essentially you're basically offering something of value in exchange for their details. So let's say, for example, we sell web design services. So a lot of people either want to get a quote or just, book a discovery call to see if we can help. So that is a very different type of lead compared to someone who's just downloading, say, a free PDF on seven ways to make your website better. Um, so 
you can put all these different elements on there. So you can have a pop-up come up after like 30 seconds, or you can have these calls to action on your blog pages. You can actually drive traffic from Facebook straight to a hidden landing page that offers something of value. So there's lots of different ways to do it that way. But it's important to know that not all people are going to be at the same point in the buying journey. If someone inquires about, say, your health program, they're much more likely to buy than someone that's just downloading a free PDF. So there's lots of different methods essentially, but you just want to kind of give as much value as you can and just build like a key cornerstone piece of content that people are, it solves a problem. It's something that they can get a quick win from and it's something that they're willing to exchange the details from. And then that will just hook into like an email marketing tool. Um, and then that just builds the, the kind of automated follow-up sequences for you as well. Okay. So. Okay. That's brilliant. So we're going to have to unpick some of that because you said a lot of <laughs> words, um, which, uh, which I think we have to understand a bit better, but, but I think the first thing to point out that, that you've said there is a contact us page, which is what everyone used to do, you know, in the ancient times. Um, that's only one way of having people, actually become part of your network in a way and that you're talking about some sort of piece of content sometimes this is called a lead magnet right it's some yeah. sort of piece of contact that content that in order to access it they have to give you your email address and then they're on this list and what happens to that list then um because as you say so there's lots of different ways that people could get in touch with you. One is to download this piece of content and give you their email. Another is an inquiry form or a book a free trial session or whatever it might be. So you could capture people in a variety of different ways beyond just a want to know more contact us, you know, kind of page, which is quite a conventional way of doing it. Once you've got these people on your list, what are you doing with them then? So essentially that's when you start to build that relationship. So you want to start to, so the website is there to build your trust. So someone's come to the site, they've seen, they like what you're offering or you talk about it. They feel like you're connecting with them. You've got something of value. They sign up. Then you're just kind of stacking on top of that value. So you're sending more relevant information, more kind of helpful information, case studies, testimonials. That's when, and, and you can keep this as simple as you want, or you can get very advanced with this. But the very basic you should have is, is at least five emails. So the first email would be, hi, thanks, and then like a story about you, why you do what you do, how you help people. The second one would be a, like a bigger in-depth piece about what you've just given them. So let's say you give someone five tips to increase your sales in the next five days. You might have a bit more information about that. And then the third one would be a kind of testimonial type email, just kind of case studies to showcase the results you're getting. And then the fourth and the fifth one would be the sales email. So that's where you're either pitching to get someone onto a call or to buy something. So join a membership, buy my online course, that kind of stuff. So at a very basic level, that's a very good place to start, but you can get very jazzy, let's say, and have all these different moving parts where if they click on this email, it moves them to this email and, yeah, I won't go too much in depth with that, but you can do some very advanced stuff with that. Um, but it just takes a lot of time to build up. So for a basic, someone that's just getting started, just think about those five emails I talked about and try and get that in place. Yeah, that's really great. Because I think that this whole area can be so overwhelming. And, 
you know, we've all signed up for things and then been part of a very sophisticated sales process that's incredibly clever. I mean, you and I met at um, Build Your Audience Live with Janet Murray and Janet's kind of automation of her sales emails, her, her newsletter list, I guess, um, is so clever. She just, it really feels like she's talking to you about the thing that you really need at the time you really need it. Um, and yeah. all of that is automated, but of course it's taken her a few years, trial and effort, trial and error to get to the point where actually the emails really land. So are you saying, and I think, I think you are saying this to just, just, just start simple, but do something. Yeah. One of my biggest bugbears with, so people, if the website's good and they do have a lead generator, on the website, what they tend to do is not have the follow-up process. So you end up having lots of leads just sitting there dead. And then when they do go, oh, actually you better send an email to this six months later, that email list is not engaged. It, it's, you're kind of going, who's this person? You've kind of forgot because they've gone and downloaded 50 more guides or signed up for 50 more things. They've moved on. So you need to build that relationship. And a scary stat is that 50% of people that ever come into your existence are never going to buy from you, no matter what you do or say. So it's important to build your list, but it's also to, important to build a relationship. And then as you get more sophisticated and more confident with this stuff, you can then start to build these more advanced ascension kind of automations where if they've clicked on this or if they've opened, say, 10 of your emails they're a hotter prospect than someone that's only opened one and you can move them. And that's the kind of stuff we're talking about with Janet that she's got set up. So if they've opened 10 emails, she get, they go into a different sales process. If they've clicked on the LinkedIn interest button, they go onto the LinkedIn sales pipeline. Yeah, it, it does take a long time. And, and we do that ourselves for our clients and for ourselves. And it does take a long time. But when you're basically starting out, all you need is that basic, get someone into an email system and then just send that five-part email and you'll be amazed at the results you have if you get the kind of content right in that as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, a, there's an email that I send um, when people download my thing, which is um, a free Escape the Rat Race checklist. And it's got about 70 or more items on it that you need to be able to tick off before you can actually leave <laughs> your corporate job and start your own business. Um, yeah. And the, the first email they get is just checking that they got it okay. Did, did it arrive? If it didn't, make sure to check these folders and let me know, you know, th that you've got it. And I, I, people actually hit reply to that and yeah, tell me that they've got it or that they're, they're working through it now or, you know, and, and I replied to those emails because that's now some personal interaction. And in fact, someone tried to download one of ours and, and couldn't, couldn't get it. Somehow the PDF didn't work on her computer. And she wrote to us and said there was a problem. We wrote back and said, okay, we're right on it. And she wrote back and said, oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting a real person <laughs> to reply. That's really, really nice. And so I kept in touch with her over the next couple of days saying, right, we're trying to sort it out. Try this, try that. We're going to send it to you just as an attachment now and all this kind of thing. And just the gratitude of it's a real person sending me this email created a relationship, which sounded like she'd never really had before from any of these kind of yeah. email lists. So I think what you're saying about creating relationship is so, so important. Yeah. It's, there is a thing called a relationship funnel. And, and basically once you've got them into that 
that, that five parts. So basically once you've first got them in and you've, you've done your little five part sequence where you've tried to sell them something, if they don't buy, then you put them into like a weekly email campaign where basically you're sending valuable content every week. Now, if you are just starting out, you're not going to have loads of products, but as if you've got lots of products, you can then start to add these little links like, Oh, did you know about, um, the best, best interview to, or the best way to set up your website. So for your audience, for example, how to set up your autoresponder, you could have like a little course on that or how to set up your website. If people start clicking on website stuff, you can then start to move them to little five part sequences that talk about buying the, the website course or the email automation course. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you over time, again, this all sounds overwhelming, but what you're basically doing is once you've got someone on your list, you just send that email on, on a weekly basis and then you just put it at the back of a queue for when someone else signs up in the future. So you're not doing the work five times. You basically just, you're automating what you're doing now. So you're writing the email now. Okay, I'm going to send this to my list on Tuesday, but I'm going to use that for the rest that come in on the back end. So it, it's it's kind of just autopilot in your business and your communication because there's a, there's a client kind of saying people say people buy from people. Um, and I think you can get too jazzy with all these tools and these auto robots and all that kind of stuff, but people want to hear your story. And we were just discussing before we come on the call about how you got more engagement by just posting about the tube. Um, it's yeah. people want to hear that stuff. They want to hear your story, your struggles. My, all, my, always, all my, my, most popular content is always when I talk about my struggles or the team frustrations or um, we tried to do this, but it failed and this is why. People like that stuff. If I just send stuff about tools and tactics all the time, I get, a, I get the odd response. But like you say, if you ask for feedback and you ask for people's opinion, then it just helps you to build that relationship and people value that input from, from them as well. And, and you will build your list a lot quicker and your relationships a lot quicker and you're this is all automated so you're using some kind of mail like we use mailchimp right for for hours but i know that there's a lot of others what are some of the tools that you can use that that you really like i'm a big fan of active campaign which is essentially it's like it's like mailchimp but i think it's got a lot more powerful functionality in the sense of the autoresponder stuff so uh, again i won't go into too much detail but the way you can move people based on what they do. So behavior. So if they go to a certain page on your website, you can put them into a, so let's say you had a sales page um, for your course and in your email sequence, it said, Oh, I've just put together this course and it go, they go to that page, but they didn't buy. Then you can put them into a, what happened. I saw you went to the page. Why didn't you buy and try and get some engagement or a conversation going about what, what they thought of it. It's harder to do that with stuff like Mailchimp, whereas with active campaign, you can do these a lot more advanced things um, and it's got features like deal pipelines and lead scoring and all this kind of stuff. So um, I just really like it. It's simple to use. It's quite cost effective and it can scale with you. So as you grow, you're not paying for expensive software. And MailChimp's really good. Um, I just think it's got a lot more to offer. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that's the case. When we started with MailChimp, we were on a free service because the list was really small and we weren't really using it. Um, but as we grow, I'm sure you're right about just finding something that's a bit more sophisticated. Cause even now, you know, in very early days, actually of this kind of style of marketing, we're hitting a few 
like things I'd like to do, but it doesn't quite do it. But, but I guess that the point really is to get started. So you can get kind yeah. of bogged down in trying mm. to find the right tool and all of that. And actually you just want to get started. Yeah. I think a lot of people go for tools first rather than just like you said, get started, look at what you want to do and then just say, does this fit my budget? And does, does this do what I need now? Because when you get to that point where MailChimp's outgrown itself, you can move to Active Campaign. It's not that hard. Um, so don't get too bogged down with, I need this tool. This tool's going to change my life or this tool's going to bring me more sales. It's all about the relationships, it's all about the content, and it's all about the way you position yourself. When you've got the pieces in place, yeah, move and get a more advanced tool and you've got a bigger budget, but don't bog yourself down with this and don't sign up for expensive marketing tools if you're just getting started. You don't need them. A lot of the time you're, you're paying for features you're never going to use. And it's a journey I've been on myself. I started small and it's just naturally grown. Um, and you, we talked about Janet. It's the same process. She started small and it's just, just grown from there. But as you grow, it does throw up more problems because then you've got to go, right, this has got to sync to this. This has got to connect to this. It's got to talk to this. So it does get more complicated. But just start small, um, get clear on what you want to do and just go from there. All right. That's fantastic. So let's, um, let's park email lists for a minute and talk about blogs because everybody's talking about blogs. There was a time uh, where blogs went a bit out of fashion and now they seem to be like right back at the heart of, you know, people are making money as bloggers and everyone needs to have a blog. What is the point of creating a blog for your website? So again, it builds trust and credibility for your audience, but also it helps you to get found as well. So for me, a blog it gives you content to share on social media. It gives you content to use in your email marketing. So for example, your podcast that you could class that as some kind of blog in a way it's content marketing. So essentially you're then consist consistently putting content that talks about your subject onto your website. So Google's going to think, okay, this person's relevant for that subject and you may start to get found for certain parts. Now it's got a lot harder because obviously Everyone's got a blog, everyone's putting content out, everyone's writing about something. So the kind of advice I generally give people is don't just blog for the sake of blogging. You've got to have a purpose to it and it's got to fit into your overall business strategy. So what are you trying to sell? What type of people are you trying to serve and write content for them? So ask questions about what, what, what is my ideal client asking? What, what are they struggling with? Answer those kind of questions. Um, and just kind of create as much content around that. And then you can naturally lead like your, your keywords and all your SEO stuff into that. That will help you get found. So essentially blogging is just content marketing, but it has got quite saturated because just, I think, I think I read a post the other day that's like about 4,000 blog posts get published every second nowadays or something <laughs> like that. So um, it, it's getting harder to, to kind of, start a blog and make lots of money off a blog because it's it's very popular thing to do but like i said it's it's all about the purpose of what you want to achieve with with the content really yeah I, one of the things that um that i've learned quite recently about that is is exactly that point that i i saw my blog a bit like a diary you know and and writing kind of thoughts i'd had recently and things that had happened to me and you know funny little stories and then 
I realized that it is part of this sales process and that has to be some kind of um, answering a question that people have, a really, a really practical question a lot of the time, but also some sort of call to action. Yeah. So what are you expecting people to do? Because they could read the blog and they could find that very useful, but you've written that blog normally for free. So all of this that you're, you're creating content, creating lead magnets, sending out emails, writing blogs, none of that you're getting paid for unless you're a paid blogger. Um, so there's got to be some kind of, there's got to be some kind of payoff. What's the, what's the call, what are some of the call to actions that you can have as part of a blog that make it worth writing one, attracting people to your website in the first place? Yeah, so the key, the key thing with a blog is like, it's bringing, it's attracting people to you through Google or from social traffic or, for example, you might put a bit of money on Facebook to drive people to that, to that post. You're then kind of, Pick, uh, do you want me to go this deep into it? Yeah, yeah, yeah please. Yes. Yeah, actually, so, this is something that really is a challenge for me. Yeah, so let's say you wrote a really in-depth article about leaving your corporate career. Um, and then you just basically went onto Facebook. You put some money behind getting people back to that, that page or that blog post. Google likes people going to your website. So the more people that go to your website, the more relevant Google thinks you are. So you're going to get a natural boost in search engine optimizer in, in search rankings. Um, on that post, you're going to have your kind of lead magnet kind of there in, in the post. So you might talk about um, if you want to download my seven tips, go here and you can put these kind of nice stylized graphic boxes on there that could pop up or just go to a landing page. That's fine. And you could also, if they get, say, halfway down the page, have a pop-up appear that's offering them this guide. Now, if they go and look at this post for a, for a certain amount of time, then you can start showing ads inside your Facebook account that then is calling them to action. So that's to either download the PDF or to come back and download something else to watch my free video training. Or, or you don't want to try and push for the sale too quickly. So it's all about kind of building that awareness for you. And that's a lot more of a cost awareness, uh, cost effective strategy rather than just pushing straight for the sale. It doesn't work. Uh, well, if it does, you're kind of a, a unicorn. You, you basically want to build that trust and you want to build that kind of audience. And the more people you can get to that content, Google's going to love you. Facebook's going to love you because you can then market to more people. But then you're always offering the value. So like I said, you've got that key lead generation piece, which you'll get people onto your email marketing list you've got your autoresponder the content is there to get people there and then to start showing that up more regularly so people will see and go oh i know her i've read her blog or i've seen her around and they're more likely to download it because you've got that trust and that credibility in that industry yeah so i think what we're getting to here is really really important because there is a fair amount of thought then that has to go into what it is, what's the journey that you're taking people on? They're joining you maybe at different parts, at different places in their own journey. So in my case, they might be vaguely thinking at some point that they might like me to leave their job and start their own business, or they might be at the other end of the spectrum. They've already had it in their notice and they're trying to work <laughs> out how they're going to make this work. And they could be anywhere in that, in that journey or even beyond even started their own business already. Yeah. And so you're you're trying to understand where your clients or potential clients join you and what it will take for them, what the journey is that they are on 
to the point at which they'd be willing to pay some money for something that you're doing. And it's not necessarily going to be straight away, almost, almost never straight away. No, it's rare that you, unless you're selling physical products or you're very, very good at marketing um, or you've got like a book that you're giving away for free or something, it's very rare people are going to buy or, or make a purchase and decision without the trust. And the, I think they say you need about seven to, to 14 touch points before someone will, will kind of converse with you or take an action with you. So you need, it's great that you've got your kind of avatars defined because that's one key thing that people don't do at that starting point. And that come, kind of comes back to the website piece and, and marketing 101 essentially is know your market and what message is going to resonate with them. Because like you said, the different messages are different for each bucket of what you've just talked about. So the website needs to clearly talk about them first, not you. And then you need to ask the questions is who is my ideal client and what are they going to search for? What, what is their intent? So what are they, what are they, what are they looking for help for? And if they are searching, do they actually have an intent to buy what I'm asking, I'm offering? So an example of that is you might be talking about free training, but the mindset for someone searching for free training is very different to someone searching for premium training or effective training. So if you're talking about free training, you're probably not going to get people buying stuff from you. They might opt in. You might grow your list really quickly, but it's going to be hard to sell to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then the other kind of aspect you have to ask yourself is, is there enough search demand for what I'm creating and pro promoting? So if I'm going to put all this effort into producing this content, are people actually searching for it on Google? So for example, you can use tools nowadays that will tell you that there's only been say 10 searches for that in the last month. So is it worth creating that? Whereas there might've been 20,000 searches for that in the last month, but the competition is going to be harder at that level. So, then you've got to ask yourself, okay, what am I selling? Is it a $50 course or is it a $10, $10,000 coaching program? So do I need, I need, if I had zero to a hundred people searching it and I landed two of them at 10,000 pounds, great. I can, it's worth doing. Whereas if you're selling $50 products and you only got 10 people searching, it's not worth doing. So you need to spend that time to kind of find that information out before you start producing lots of content because essentially you'll burn yourself out because you've got a massive list of everything you're trying to do. Build your website, build your email campaigns, blog, podcast, all this kind of stuff that you've heard you need to do. But you need to just kind of spend five, 10 minutes, find out the answers to these questions and then produce the content for those ideal customers. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, there are lots of ways and there are lots of tools that you can use to find out how popular a keyword or a key phrase is and how much competition there is. But, I mean, one of the simple ways, so there's a, there's a tool that I have that's on my, um, on my Google. So if I Google, if I search anything up pops, how many other people have searched for it and kind of roughly what you would pay to have that as an advertising term yeah. um so that's coming up even when i'm looking for you know a chinese restaurant near me <laughs> i'm still getting <laughs> that but of course it's particularly useful when i'm looking at, to check out my keywords and the other thing is just to check what drops down when you're when you're googling something so In let's say searches. i'm looking up yeah um quit my corporate job what else drops down in in google as other things that 
people generally search for as well. Yeah, and that's something that I always teach people as well is that don't just go after one keyword. Like you say, Google kind of groups stuff together and it's all related stuff. Google's very intelligent, so it kind of picks up the patterns. So like you said, the related keywords. You can then just go and create a spreadsheet of like 50 different things and then just go, right, that was a keyword. What can I create that, that answers a question or solves a problem for the ideal client? And again, an hour later, you've got probably 10, 15 pieces of content that can work for you. Um, and like you said, if, you're, if you've got these three different avatars, you could create a different piece of lead generation for each piece. And then each blog has a different lead magnet for that piece. So if it's talking about you're getting started in your first business, you might have that uh, getting started toolkit or something like that. Then if they're thinking of leaving the corporate job, it might be the seven things that are holding you back from leaving your corporate job. So you start to get clever with the different position and you're giving your content and the stuff you're offering based on the avatar you're serving essentially. So yeah, it's, it's, it's clever stuff and, and that's the way, that's where you want to get to. But again, it sounds overwhelming to create all that content. So <laughs> yeah. And I think at the simple level, what you have to be thinking is not, it's not a diary. It's not a kind of download of your <laughs> thoughts today. It is a, it's more strategic than that. Yeah. We had a client, um, it was a printer in Manchester and his blog was like stuff like I've just had a really nice breakfast at a cafe in so-and-so and he just had a, literally said that and it just had a picture of a, of a breakfast and I'm like what is this what are you <laughs> it made no sense and yeah after speaking to a lot of people at the event last week they were doing very similar things so one was a she was a health um no what was it she she did property uh property training for like people getting started in prop buying property but her blog was all about her journey and her life and her health and fitness and i was like makes no sense it's got no relevance to your audience and she kind of stared at me so what I'm, I'm i can't do it on that and i'm like no create your own website and do it there because your audience will find that and you'll build that tribe because people looking to buy property don't really probably care about your journey with menstrual cycles and all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah they they care about learning how to buy property and make money from it so you need to split them off and i think you kind of twigged in their brain that okay you might be right here um but yeah you need to think more strategically about again i keep saying it does it serve my ideal customer and what they want me to answer for so um, you, when, when we chatted before, you shared some very interesting facts about creating blogs, which I didn't realize. So I always thought short and sweet, but you actually were saying that blogs, long blogs do much better. Yeah. Why, why is that? So it comes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's so much content out there in the world now. Um, so they do say on average, well, this is a stat from Google that was kind of produced earlier this year, but they reckon the average blog post that's at the first page of Google is around 1,800 words. Wow. It's, very in the, it's not the same for every industry. So, for example, with marketing, which is a very competitive content piece, um, the average is about 2,400 words, whereas, say, let's, uh, manufacturing might be 900 words. So the averages differ, mm -hmm. but the overall average is about 1,800 words. The reason is because Google obviously wants to serve its best content to the right people. 
um, is this content going to be helpful? So if you've just got a fluffy little 500 piece, it's not going that in depth. Whereas if you're going into massive depth and you've got like, um, you're covering 26 different items, you've got images, you've got videos on there. People are going to go to that, stay on that page longer, engage with that post a bit more. And then Google's going to think, okay, this is, this is a good piece and it's going to bump you up. So that's the kind of tactic with that. Um, there's a, there's a tactic called a skyscraper content. So basically what you do, for example, when I did the talk at Janet's event, basically all I did was search the night before, um, diets for men. And this, the number one piece was on the BBC good food blog and essentially a balanced diet for men. And it only had about 600 words. So because there were a couple of people that talked about health and, and nutrition and wellness, I just said, right, go and copy this blog but just make it better, just improve it, just take it and just improve it and just make it twice, three times the size, go really in depth on it, add nice loads of images. And what Google's going to do then is compare the two posts. And if you can get people back to that post, they're engaging it, they're staying on that post longer than say the, the BBC's 500 word one, Google will then naturally bump you up because it wants to serve the most relevant content and the most valuable to the audience. So that's, that's the tactic behind longer content and it does really work. Um, I, I used to do quite short and sweet ones and it kind of, I just saw the trends started going off, but so now I only do one or two a month and I go quite in depth if I do do a blog post and that does tend to get me quite high quickly with those certain keywords as well. So that's such a great idea. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and let's talk about some of the terminology as well about blogs. So um, uh, meta tags and meta descriptions and all this kind of thing. What, what does it all mean? <laughs> yeah, so if uh, the, quite the easiest way to describe this, so in your browser, you know, you've got your tabs at the top. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I was on your website, um, it might say Blair and then your kind of your subline, for example. Um, that's your kind of title tag. And then inside the page is a hidden bit that is basically your meta description that's basically saying to, the, to Google, this is what this page is all about. So let's say you were writing something about sales training. You might say uh, five tips to boost your sales in the next five days. And then inside that meta description, um, you would just cover off a little bit more detail and you've only got a certain limited amount of keywords. It's like Twitter. You can only put so many words in there. Then on the actual page, you've got things like heading tags. So the first, the big piece of the big headline essentially should be in a H1 tag because that's basically saying to Google, this is what, this is an important statement for this page. And then the content will just flow after that. So that's the kind of basic level of, of that side of things. And you want to make sure, I think you told us this, that, that you've got your keyword for that page or your key phrases for that page in as many of those different places as possible. Yeah, you don't want to over spam it because Google, if, you, if Google thinks that you're trying to trick it, it will block you or kind of downgrade you. But essentially, they're a very good tool. So if you're, if you're building your site in WordPress, tools like Yoast, it will kind of tell you, you haven't put your key phrase in your title tag. You haven't put your key phrase in your description tag. Your heading does not contain your key phrase. So again, if your title tag is saying five ways to make more sales in five days, that should be the 
so that should be the main title on your blog post. And then your subtext might say, um, are you struggling to make sales? Blah, blah, blah. In this post, we're going to cover off our simple five-step strategies to make more sales and win more influence and all that kind of stuff. And then if, if you're going quite in depth, the keywords will naturally come into the content. You don't have to write for the key for keywords first. Mm. Write the content. The keywords will naturally follow into the content because you know that sales strategies or sales tactics is what you're talking about and that's going to come in naturally. Yeah, so that's when people talk about um, keyword stuffing. That's what they mean, just randomly sticking this word, this word or phrase in over and over again. But you're saying, actually, if you're writing content about that thing, it should just arise naturally. Yeah, and once you've got it up, again, you can spend too long on this, but essentially, once you've got it up, you can then come back and analyze it. Again, tools will tell you you need to add more keywords or there's not enough keywords or and and google is very clever it knows when you're trying to trick it it knows when you're overdoing things it, it's it, it's it's incredible the way it kind of manages the the rankings and the factors and i think there's like 300 factors that determine where you're ranking but number one tip i would give to your audience is it's all about engagement so don't have massive blog images at the top of your blogs and stuff like that. You want people to get to the point quickly. It needs to be concise. But if you can put a video at the top of the blog post that just basically summarizes what you're talking about, that's going to keep them on the page longer. And then one of Google's key ranking factors is dwell time, which is how long people stay on a page for. So that's the tactic with the video. You're basically trying to keep people on that blog post as long as possible. And then you say at the end of the video, continue reading to get more information. So then they go further down and then you might have another video or you have a download or you might have a infographic or something like that. But that is one of the quickest ways to get your rankings up very highly is just to get people staying and engaged on your posts as well. But then they're meeting you and again, they're building the trust, they're getting to like you. So it serves lots of purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. Now, something that you mentioned earlier on, you talked about landing pages and I admitted to you after we hit record or before we hit record on this interview that I had not even created a landing page until maybe a year ago. I didn't even know what one was really. Um, so, uh, so but I've still managed to be in business for a long time without one, but, I, but it seems increasingly important. So maybe you can explain what a landing page is and how it's different to sort of a normal page on your website. Yeah, so there's lots of different, so essentially a landing page is where you drive traffic. Um, so you could have a, a landing page could be your sales page for your key signature course or it could just be something which is very simple which is an opt-in page so you probably find that um you might go to a page where it's quite in depth and it's trying to sell you a product straight away or you go to a landing page where it's just literally got a picture of a guide and it says in this guide you'll learn this download now and you get like a little pop-up or there's a form there so that's kind of an opt-in page so you want to be creating those again so it all comes back to the start Decide what you want to create as something that you're going to offer to people that is going to solve a problem. Once you've got that, don't just rely on putting it on your website because what you want to do is create a hidden page where you've got that available. So when you're doing a podcast or you're sending out your blogs, you can drive traffic directly to that page. That way there's no distractions. So you want to strip out the navigation. You want to strip out all these jazzy animation effects and all this kind of stuff. You just want to give them this one focus of downloading this piece or engaging with this piece. So that's, the, that's the, essentially the purpose of a landing page. 
Yeah, I, that's such great advice because I did think that, um, well, I've got my website, you know, and I'll just add another tab or something. But you're <laughs> saying that the landing page is something really different. And actually, I think one of the mistakes we make is we think that people, where people are going to land on our website is our homepage. And so we put a huge amount of effort into that homepage. But actually, if you've got some special content or there's some, some bit of um, lead magnet that, that you want to promote or um, like you say, a podcast or even a, um, a blog that, that you think is really important that you want people to sign up to, having this separate page and driving traffic specifically to that page rather than generically to your website, that's what landing pages is all about, right? Yeah, so paid advertising 101 is never drive traffic to your homepage because there's too many options people put too much on a homepage they think i've got to cram everything in there for me a good website is very simple very limited very to the point you don't want to put blog posts you don't want to put podcasts any of that stuff on your homepage um what you want to do essentially is just give us little information that talks directly to that person you want people to go that person's talking to me that's the problem i've got like do you know I mean it's the it's the hook so those landing pages are there for you to kind of drive traffic to with paid advertising also inside your blog content. And then if you're doing your podcast, you can say, right, I've just created my five step guide to leaving your corporate career. Go to blair.com slash, do you know what I mean? Like you, that's the way you use them. You don't. And again, in your email marketing campaigns, you're just sending people straight there, not back to the homepage, hoping they'll find it because of because people, I got, I think the attention span of about three seconds now, it's less than goldfish. So yes, that's true. <laughs> so you want to make it as simple for them as possible. So we, we have to wrap up. I mean, there's obviously, this is a massive topic. And um, one of the reasons that you would bring in an expert is because there is real expertise, you know, required to get a really, really good website that is actually helping you with sales. But if you are starting, this is your first website, um, and maybe you're building it yourself, you're using WordPress or you're using Squarespace or Wix, one of these, one of these tools, what do you think are the, the most important first few steps to create a, a good starter website? The key thing is that first initial headlines of what do you do so what problem do you solve so um you don't want to be too fluffy and talk about you you want to say i help people with x um i help yeah like i'm a weight and nutrition specialist for professional women like very niche very specific so people when they land they go okay that makes sense and you know you need to have a very clear call to action so if you've got say a program or a a membership site or something whatever you've got that needs to be that one key call to action throughout that page then it's we do recommend you have like a problem section where you're asking questions of saying like does this sound familiar to you or have you ever experienced have you ever struggled to weight lose weight but these things sound familiar and it's kind of like you don't have time to work out you've got inner demons like just the kind of things that people would be thinking then you want to show empathy, which is basically, I care. I've been through this struggle. I've helped people. And then you've got the process of what does it look like to work with you? So how can I, I've got this system that will solve your problem. What 
do you need to do to get it? So it's kind of like step one, book a discovery call. Step two, we'll have a, we'll have a, an open and obvious conversation to see if we're the right fit for each other. Three, we'll devise your plan. Step four, you'll see weight loss and life transformation. Um, so you need to show you've got a plan. Then you'd have your kind of testimonials and then you'd have your kind of lead generator. And then that's all it has to be essentially for me. That's what works really well for us and our clients. If you start talking about you too soon, you're going to put them off. It needs to be about them, not you. And that's two, two things I would say to everyone is don't get too bogged down by the design. Simple websites work best from a conversion point of view. It's not about you. It's about your ideal customer. So if you like pink and green, but your ideal customer does not, don't use it. Um, do, do you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of people get too obsessed and they want too much control over. I don't like the image. I don't like the color. I don't like the font. It's not about that. It's about the message. And you could have the nicest looking website in the world, but if your message is not on point, you won't convert. I've seen terrible looking websites get a lot more results than really nice looking ones because their message was on point. So you need to focus on your avatar. What problems do I solve? How can I help them? And clearly communicate your message and then just have that repeated call to action. So one offer, one call to action. Don't try and put 26 things on there. Keep your blogs off. Put that kind of stuff in the header and the footer. Don't, don't spam this, the page. That's kind of my, my advice I can give, you, give to you guys starting out. That's fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, one of the biggest shifts to make as you're doing that is to understand that you are in sales, you know, ultimately, and that you have to have this mindset that says the best way that I can serve the people that, that come to my website and that have these issues is that they, is if they buy something from me. <laughs> and so ultimately you are trying to get them to buy something because that is the best way that you can help them. And I think a lot of people get hung up on that too. Oh, I don't want to seem too salesy and all of this is driving people down a sort of pipeline. It feels very uncomfortable to me, but actually that in the end, it's the best way you can serve people. So, um, yeah, we, we kind of say, we always tell people not to be fluffy. So if you are calling people, I think there was a stat, that I was doing some research for my book and I think there was a stat where I think it's 50% of businesses don't even have a website, but then 85% of those websites don't even have a call to action. Now a call to action is one of the key important parts of your website. Um, and it, like you say, it doesn't need to be buy my stuff now. Um, if you're selling a product, yes, it needs to be buy now. But if you are selling some kind of program or coaching program or some, you want to, you know, you need to have a conversation to sell. I think there's a threshold that once it gets past $2,000 or pounds, there needs to be a conversation for the transaction to, to take place because of the trust and people aren't just going to pay 2000 pounds without knowing you, but you just have to be very clear what you want them to do. Like people will put let's chat and um, say hello and stuff like that, but it needs to be scheduled, schedule a discovery call or book an appointment, book a consultation, request a demo, very straight to the point in language because that's what people understand. If, if it's too fluffy, they'll be like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm, not, I'm confused. Confusion kills conversion. So you need to be very to the point and get over yourself about, um, I don't want to sell. If you're good at what you do and you want to have conversations and that's what you love doing, that's all you're doing. You're facilitating getting people from 
that point to a conversation. So don't worry about it. Be direct, test the buttons, test things. Do a month where it says book a consultation, test the book. Do a month where it says let's chat. But from my experience, schedule an appointment, book a discovery call, book a consultation, always outperforms, let's chat. Because it's too fluffy. So you need to be very direct. That's I've brilliant. Actually, I've actually got a, 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 a content framework guide I'm happy to share with, you, with, you, with your audience if they're interested. That will be great. We'll, we'll give the link, we'll put it, the link in the show notes and, um, and I'll share the link in, in my little wrap up after our interview. But thank you, Matt. And I, I would really highly recommend that people download that because um, any help that you can get from someone who really knows what they're talking about will save you, you know, 18 years of building websites that don't really convert. Yeah. A la me. So, um, <laughs> Matt, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I'd love to get you back at some point and we can, we can drill down to in, into a few more of these things in a bit more detail. But thank you so much for now. No worries. My pleasure. I hope you found that really valuable. I learned a lot from Matt as we were talking and his content framework guide, the link to that is in the show notes. So click on that and you can download that for free. It's packed with really, really useful step-by-step -step information. You can also, of course, check out his site and see how he does it. It's meltdesign.co.uk and the blog or what he calls the Knowledge Centre is at meltdesign.co.uk slash knowledge dash centre. And there's lots more useful content on there. And of course, he's on Twitter. Of course, he is at meltdesign. I said I'd tell you about the Escape the Rat Race checklist. Now, I don't want you to have any excuses that you don't know what to do and that's why you haven't gone ahead and done it. So I've made it really simple with this checklist. Chances are when you download it, you'll realize you've already done quite a few things on the list. So you'll have that immediate satisfaction of ticking stuff off and realizing how far you've come and then you can see what's left. The link is in the show notes. It's on our website, abrilliantgamble.com right there on the homepage. Can't miss it. So download that today. With all the information about how you can stay in touch with us and everything that's happening in A Brilliant Gamble, find courses that will help you to quit your nine to five and live a life that you love doing work that gives meaning and purpose and still having balance, that important balance in your life. Here is the lovely Ivy Palmer. www.brilliantgamble.com There you can get all the episodes of the show plus read the blog and on our Escape the Rat Race courses page you can find out more about our development programs to help you navigate your way through the minefield of life, career and change You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Brilliant Gamble and join our corporate escapees Facebook group Finally, please leave a review and star rating for this podcast.